Howdy. This is the Views from the Shop podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Thursday, March 16th, 2023, is National No Selfies Day. Happiest of holidays to you on that one. Today, on today's show, I may be your one and only host, but I've got your one and only guest today. It's Connor Lamont, a well-known name in the Ohio State basketball community who's going to join us today. We're going to talk about guy. Oops, no time to delay. Connor, welcome in. Would you like to intro yourself, say a few, a word or two, um, and say hello to the fans? Well, you're too kind. As somebody that went to Ohio State and uh, just helped, you know, run the Buckeye Nuthouse and stuff, to, to say that even a handful of people enjoy listening to what I have to say about basketball is, is really cool. So I appreciate that. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Connor. I, uh, I write for Land Grant Holy Land. I also co-host their basketball podcast, Bucketheads, with uh, Justin Golba, which is right now a weekly podcast, and we'll probably do bi-weekly once the summer hits. But um, I've been over at uh, LGHL covering the men's team since the fall of uh, 2019. So this is my 9-21, fourth season season with them yeah awesome well thanks for being here on the show today connor it's exciting you're breaking history here on the pod as the first guest ever and uh look i want to get right into it we've got a couple of things to to talk about here today by the way make sure if you haven't already hit follow hit subscribe and you'll be able to hear uh this podcast here on the views from the shop pod also make sure you follow and subscribe to the Bucketheads pod as well. Um, whoever you listen to first doesn't matter as long as you listen to us both. So let's start with Chris Holtman. Uh, I think that that's probably top of mind for both of us right now. It's been in the news, I suppose you can say, for a couple of months now, ever since Ohio State really went on its tailspin, going from 10 and 3 to well under 500 and well under 500 in Big Ten play. It's been a topic of discussion. Will Chris Holtman return next year? First of all, before even getting into that, I've made my thoughts on Chris Holtman clear. I've said he'll return. He's going to be back with Ohio State next year. There's no reason why he wouldn't. Many fans didn't believe me or didn't have the same sentiment. Connor, going into the end of this season, seeing what Ohio State did, what is your overall sentiment on Chris Holtman at this point? I would say that this this particular season, you can't look at it in, in any other way is that it was it was a failure of a season. It was a bad season. They did not meet expectations. Um, when you're at a school like Ohio State, it doesn't matter if you have a young team, right? Going 16 and 19 and not making the tournament is falling well short of expectations and the standards that you have at Ohio State. But as a as a general body of work, um, I think that the opinion of the Ohio State fans on the internet is very, very different than if you just plucked any random college basketball fan and told, say, a, a fan of, I don't know, a Kansas fan, say, hey, they're going to fire Chris Holtman. You probably would get a response of like, are they really? After, you know, five or six really good seasons and after one bad season, they're just done, really? So I just think that Ohio State fans' opinion on him and just the general fan um, probably would have drastically different takes on him after this season. Yeah. I mean, we're a spoiled fan base. Ohio state obviously is known as a football school, but at the same time, this is one of eight programs to make it to 10 final fours or more in college basketball history. If you were to pull anyone 
in the United States who who's a fan of college basketball, you would throw in Kentucky, you would throw in Duke, you would throw in UCLA. You'd be hard pressed to find a person who would throw in Ohio State in that mix. So if it weren't for the football team, Ohio State would be known as a basketball school, no doubt. I think it's the expectations being very, very high. And it's also just the fact that you're used to going to the tournament. You're used to advancing in the tournament and not seeing that with Chris Holtman has been a huge disappointment. Now, looking at the news that came out yesterday, of course, Notre Dame was reportedly zeroing in, said Dick Weiss yesterday on Chris Holtman. Holtman told the Columbus Dispatch yesterday on Wednesday, he said, quote, I'm not going to Notre Dame. I stand by what I publicly said. I'm committed to being here, end quote. He also said after Ohio State, Illinois gave an emphatic commitment to being at Ohio State next season. Chris Holtman is under contract through 2028 as well. I had some general thoughts. I put them out there on Twitter yesterday at the shot pod on Twitter. Some general thoughts. Three very quick points. Number one. Why would Chris Holtman leave? For what reason would he leave and go to Notre Dame? You look at what he has in front of him. He's got three things. He's got an AD and Gene Smith who publicly supports him, who privately works with him very, very closely. You've got a freshman core. You've got Bruce Thornton, who just was named to the all big 10 team for the big 10 tournament. You've got Bryce Sensenbaugh. Will he come back? It's hard to say. Regardless, an incredible piece to build on. You've got, of course, Felix Akpara, who blossomed in front of our eyes, said Chris Holtman. And then you've got Roddy Gale, who went off during the Big Ten tournament. Why would he walk away from that and head over to Notre Dame? And the last point that you would think of is he's got the sixth best class in the nation right now coming in next season. Three in the top 50, according to 24-7 Sports, including the number one player in Ohio. Why in the world would Chris Holtman walk away from that? For what good would that do for him? What coach would not want to be in his shoes right now? And, and, and my last like overall overarching thought is essentially this. You look at what Chris Holtman has done. It's not great. But if you think Chris Holtman cares more about what the fans have to say than what, I don't know, Gene Smith has to say, like we are quite frankly, dumb to believe that that our voice is louder than Gene Smith's. So that's why even when this rumor came out, I was like, I really don't believe it. I mean, tweet it all you want. That's fine. Until I see some more legitimate sources coming in, I'm not going to believe anything in regards to Chris Holtman leaving Ohio State or going to Notre Dame. Connor, like, was this was this something when you saw this tweet that you were like, man, like I I legitimately think he could be gone or was it more smoke and mirrors to you as well? I mean, zeroed in on somebody as your head coach basically means that's your main target. But I mean, how many times have you seen college or professional, a, a certain team, a rumor of so-and-so coach, you know, is the main target for their, to be their next coach. That just means that program would like to have that coach as their next coach. It doesn't mean that that coach maybe is reciprocating uh, financially. It just doesn't, I don't know, financially for either school, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I won't, I don't even know if it's worth getting into the weeds about Notre Dame. Like with Ohio State, it doesn't make any sense. They have to pay, they would have to pay out Chris Holtman's entire contract if they were to fire him. Or if he was to pick it up and leave and just go somewhere else, the school that 
hires him would have to pay a $2 million buyout for a coach who is probably going to make, a, he makes about three, three and a half million a year. So that school would have to pay a $2 million buyout to get him away from Ohio State. Um, that's a lot of money, especially for a school like Notre Dame. And they're not going to fire Chris Holtman at Ohio State right now because they'd be on the hook for like $18 million. Financially, it's just, I don't know. It's just not, it's not realistic. And the other thing about Notre Dame too is Notre Dame fans will fight tooth and nail on this, but Notre Dame as a university, as an institution is a, an academic institution first with athletics on the side. You could say the priority at Notre Dame is it's academia. Fans would not say that, but that is how Notre Dame sees itself. Notre Dame is also not a school that will overpay. They're not going to go try to negotiate, hey, how much of this money can we take on for Chris Holtman and, and try to add him to the team uh, while you know, considering themselves a more prestigious academic program as well. It just didn't really make sense. I think it was more so my thoughts on, on why this, this was tweeted was simply that news is leaked for multiple reasons. And when you hear, like, look at Lamar Jackson in the NFL right now, Aaron Rodgers in the NFL, there's so much news that's being leaked. It's being leaked simply so that a player or an organization can have leverage. I think here, this was leaked simply so that Notre Dame could put a feeler out and see how interested it's Chris Holtman really going to be in this job. I think that was really the only reason. I'm sure they've reached out. I don't know if they had any contact or anything like that, but my guess is the biggest reason why this was leaked was so Notre Dame could show that they're legit about trying to add on Chris Holtman as their head coach more so than anything else. I don't think that Chris Holtman is meeting with Notre Dame or anything like that. I think it's very preliminary to show, hey, we're legit interested in you. We want you to come chat with us. Right. I mean, and, and Chris Holtman loves, he loves Columbus. He loves Ohio State. Maybe the, some of the fans on Twitter don't love that Chris Holtman loves Columbus, but he likes the city. He likes the university. He likes the community. Um, he had opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, last, last year with the coaching cycle, there were high major jobs that popped up. North Carolina was one of them. I can't confirm that like he sat down and interviewed for those jobs, but there were power five schools that reached out to Chris Holtman a year, a year back that wanted him to interview for those jobs. And a year ago, he said, no, I don't know. He turned down interviews because he's like, I have Felix Akpara and Bryce Sensabaugh and Roddy Gale coming in this year. Um, and I think it's very, like you said, it's very similar this year. There's like, he's in a, you're in a spot right now. Like, why would you leave at the very least before you have an opportunity to see um, if the hours and hours and hours of recruiting that you have put in to lock up these back-to-back -back classes, why would you leave before you had an opportunity to see the fruits of your labor kind of pay off and these guys all get to be on the floor at the same time together. It's, it wouldn't make any sense. What do you think the leash is on Chris Holtman at this point? After obviously a down year, never making it to the Sweet 16, his contract, again, he's, he's with Ohio State through 2028. How long of a leash does Chris Holtman have at this point? I think that if if you mimic this season, next season, they will pay the buyout and they will fire him next spring. If he comes in 13th place in the Big Ten again, I think that hits a point where you can't have that poor of a season. I think probably the bar next year is they probably just need to make the tournament. 
which I, you know, Ohio State not making the tournament is an anomaly. Um, so I still think that Chris Holtman will leave Ohio State when Chris Holtman decides he's going to leave Ohio State. I don't think he'll be fired because I don't think that um, I don't think that he'll have another season this bad um, for the rest of the time that he's at Ohio State. But if somehow it does happen and they are in 13th place again next year, I think that they would probably just bite the bullet, pay the buyout and fire him. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't yeah, think that's ex- what you think's going to happen either. No, no, I don't. Um, I, I think that, look, like we'll, we'll talk about expectations for Ohio State next year in, in a bit. But this is a team that I firmly believe can be fighting for a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. With you look at what they have coming back, what they have coming in, this can be a very, very dangerous team in the Big Ten next season. Absolutely should be going to the NCAA tournament. This year, I wasn't really expecting a, a run to the NCAA tournament. I, I was hopeful, but looking at everything that they lost from last year, looking at the fact that they had the most newcomers, not only just in the Big Ten, but out of nearly any team in the Big Ten and the entire nation uh, in terms of freshmen and, and transfers coming in, this was there was no reason really to believe that Ohio State was going to go out there and be world beaters this year. I thought that they would be a fringe bubble team, and they are a little worse than that. And I did not expect them to be 13th in the Big Ten, but I also didn't expect the Big Ten to be nearly as competitive as it was this year. Northwestern was incredible. Penn State put some things together as well this year. They had obviously some experience on the team that helped them get there, but the expectations weren't that high. So in terms of his leash, I think it's the exact same thing, right? Like if if next year he goes into the season, the Buckeyes finish – 21 and 15 they're ninth in the big 10 and they are two seed in the nit then yeah we might be having a bit of an uproar in columbus but i think we're kind of putting the cart in front of the horse at that point where it feels really really unlikely that it happens and and i'm i'm very very bullish on ohio state next year they're not going to get any votes in the preseason top 25 or anything like that but I'm very, very bullish on Ohio State, and I think that people come January, February, they're going to say, man, this Buckeye team came out of nowhere, and they're really, really good. So Yeah, I'm sure that you'll bring it up shortly. Like It'll it'll depend probably what they are able to add um, via transfer to really top off the roster, I think, which could be the difference in them finishing third in the Big Ten next year and 11th in the Big Ten next year, um, just because the season just ended for them a few days ago. So, I mean, there's going to be players leaving. There's going to be probably a couple transfers coming in. Um, you have the opportunity to to top off the roster and make it, like you said, a double buy in the Big Ten tournament kind of team. Or if you swing and miss on transfers, it, it, you could have another roster that maybe makes the tournament. But there's going to be a lot of roster changes that are going to happen over the next two months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's that's a really exciting part of this Buckeye team at this point too, is the potential for some high quality transfers coming in. Chris Holtman has not been shy. He's not been adverse to bringing in new talent and transfers onto the roster. Obviously he wasn't at all this season as well. So I guess before we get there, Connor, what are your, like, what's your initial reaction to Ohio state? It, it was a tale of of kind of three different seasons, right? It's been well-documented. They start 10 and three. Then they go on a tumultuous run where I think they lose like 14 of 16. They finish the year giving Purdue at least a little bit of a battle in the Big Ten tournament semifinals, which was completely unexpected. So 
when you wrap up team 124, what's your impression of this Buckeye team? Uh, kind of like I said at the top, I think that I think that they underperformed. I think that I was a bit higher on this team, maybe it sounds like, than you were back in October. Um, I had much higher expectations for guys like Tanner Holden and Isaac Likely. Um, I had, I guess I would say higher expectations for Zed Key, but that's not completely his fault. Um, he was hurt for half the season and then missed the last quarter because he was just out. Um, I think that it was a poorly constructed roster. And also there were a few of those transfers that I thought would be really, really good that underperformed. Um, I thought Isaac likely would be, I think Isaac likely ended the season is something like four points, four rebounds, three assists. I thought he was going to be more like eight points, five rebounds, five assists kind of guy. I didn't expect Tanner Holden to transfer from Wright state and be a 20 point per game scorer at Ohio state. But I did think he was going to be at least like a nine to 10 points per game uh, kind of guy. So the pieces just never meshed well. Um, once again, it's a poor defensive roster and I don't know. I don't need to pile on a dead body here, kick a dead horse, but um, underperforming team, poorly constructed roster, another year where they don't quite figure it out in the defensive end. But um, if there was a way to end on a high note, they did it because you basically got the best version of Roddy Gale that you did not see all year. You got the best version of Bruce Thornton. Um, you got probably the best version of Felix Akpara against Michigan State. So you kind of plant those seeds for next season to say, hey, this is what we got. We got the best version of these guys at the tail end. Now, do you kind of see the vision for next year when these guys are consistently doing that now? Now that they've done that, you know, as freshmen, we're going to give them the keys as sophomores. So I guess that's a positive spin on it. But in general, I think it was a very underwhelming, uh, underwhelming team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a single Ohio State fan who wasn't underwhelmed with what the Buckeyes did this season. It, you can you can look back at being 10 and 3 and all the hope that there was and being ranked in the top 25 which realistically doesn't really mean anything but still it's a nice pat on the back for december for any team i think my biggest takeaway is kind of like you mentioned some some transfers not meshing well ice likely is i think the number one example of that where you watch what he did at oklahoma state kind of being more of a of a point guard and, and not being asked to do so many things uh, at Oklahoma State as he was at Ohio State. And boy, I mean, he could not hit free throws this year. Easily his worst free throw percentage in a season in his career, in his college career. But he still did incredible things on the defensive end, sharing the ball, Chris Holman asking him to shoot more as well. So you like what you saw from him in one year. I think the other thing, Zed Key, that shoulder injury mightily affected him. And there's a lot of fans who want Zed Key to transfer out or or to see reduced playing time and, and all those different types of things. I think Yeah, Key, which is not that's just nonsense though. Like Yeah. I don't know if Ohio he, State fans have like a an infatuation, not to kick not to cut you off. I don't know if Ohio State fans have like an infatuation with just like the concept that a center needs to be seven feet tall and grab 10 rebounds a game. But I mean, like Zed Key was honorable mention, all big 10. And I guess he's, he's six, nine and people hate that, but uh, he does get, he gets a lot of crap for, I don't totally understand why. No, I, I think Zed Key is 
Zed Key is one of my favorite players in recent memory for Ohio State. He's no, and I, I've talked about this before on the pod, he's no EJ Liddell in terms of freshman and sophomore year, huge jump. Sophomore to junior year, huge jump. But he has gotten better every year. And it felt like, especially toward the end of last season, heading into this season, anytime he got isolated on the low block and it was one-on-one and he was just working post moves, he was going to make it. Like it, it was insane some of the shots he was making. And he is undersized for a center in the Big Ten, for a center in Division One high major basketball, standing at 6'9", 6'10", whatever he may be with, with basketball shoes on. He is slightly undersized, but he still made shots over those players. And that was really impressive to me. Now, one thing where he'll need to improve, and, and he's talked about it, Chris Holtman has talked about it, two major things is his range and his stamina, his ability to be well-conditioned, run up and down the floor, play a lot of minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this summer and his recovery and heading into the fall and then the winter, of course. I think one other major takeaway for me for Ohio State is the lack of depth in the front court. Without having Zed Key, you're down to Felix Akpara, and then against Purdue, you're asking Eugene Brown to guard Zach Eady. You're asking Ice Likely to guard Zach Eady. And this is kind of a moot point. It doesn't really matter because you've got next year, hopefully a healthy Zed Key. You've got Felix Akpara. You've got Austin Parks coming in as a freshman. And then you've also got Devin Royal coming in, probably plays a little bit of a three or a four for Ohio State. So you're going to have some more size next year as well. But I think that's a huge, huge issue for Ohio State is not having the depth there in the front court. The other thing is you just really want to see a pure scorer. And other than Dwayne Washington in the past couple of years, yeah, I guess you can add Malachi Branham into the mix. But it feels like we haven't been able to see multiple players on the floor at the same time who you can really trust to go get a bucket like imagine this year if Malachi Branham had stayed with Bryce Sensenball that would be an incredible duo I'd like to see Ohio State go out in the transfer portal and find someone who's just a bucket getter who you can pair with Bryce Sensenball if he stays at this point I'm leaning toward him not I, staying yeah, I agree but you've got Roddy Gale next year who I am so high on Bruce Thornton, those two together may be the scores next year. But I'd like to see someone, I, I'd like to see Ohio State go grab someone who can just be an instant bucket getter, whether it be from three, from slashing, whatever. But it seems like they've failed to put together a team where you've got Justin Arns, who is allergic to shooting inside the three-point line. He just, he won't do it. He's He's shooting from deep or he's passing the ball. Or you've got guys like, I guess Bryce Sensabaugh is a great example, but you've got other players who are more so slashers, right? And, and more so scoring by driving. I would love to see Ohio State bring in another player that's maybe a Bryce Sensabaugh type or a Bruce Thornton type or a Roddy Gale type where Chris Holton's done a good job now of getting players who can not only score, but defend. But I want to see an offensive weapon who can be really trusted to get a bucket when needed and can separate off of defenders as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they made a run at, uh, at at Nigel Pack last last summer, which kind of fits what you're talking about and fits exactly what I would like them to get this summer. Like you said, is somebody that is just going to get you. I would. I don't want to go crazy, but let's say 12 points a game consistently, 12, 13 points a game. I think that the last couple summers, Holtman and his staff have 
I don't want to call it trying to be like the smartest person in the room, but they have recruited guys from the transfer portal that they're like, they fit a specific niche for us. They, they give us leadership. They give us on ball, you know, defense. Um, they give us some experience. Love that. That's fun. Give me a guy that gives you 12 to 14 points a game. Stop trying to be smart. Stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room and filling specific niches because look what it's gotten you. Tanner Holden, three points a game. Isaac Likely, four points a game. Um, Jamari Wheeler, I don't know if he quite matches that because I thought he was a pretty good player. But um, like you said, get a guy that can give you 12 to 14 points a game. Just get get a scorer that's going to fill that void of where Bryce probably is going to vacate that spot. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit less certain that he's gone than I was like a week ago, but, um, he's almost certainly gone and you're going to need a guy that can step in, give you 12 to 14 points a game. You can't, you can't swing and miss on transfers again this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a big point too. Like the freshman, Chris Holtman has proved that he can recruit well and he can grab freshmen who can actually contribute. I think that it's the transfers now that he's got to have success with. And like you said, swinging and missing again, it, it's, it's something that they can't afford. And I don't know, it, it was pretty clear, pretty evident. And, and this is where we can kind of take a look at next year, right? Like Tanner Holden, for example, it was evident in the big 10 tournament when you've got Sean McNeil in foul trouble and no Bryce Sensenbaugh and Chris Holtman just refused to go to Tanner Holden. And I think it was the Iowa game where Holden hits a three. He gets teed up. That's fine. Whatever. But as that game went on, Justice Sewing had four fouls. And I, I can't remember the other player who had four fouls. But it was essentially Holtman switching between Sewing and, and one other player when it seemed like Holden could step in and, and, and play some minutes and he was not trusted. And you thought maybe he would be the guy to step up get some buckets with Bryce Sensenbaugh being out. He barely even played. So right. what are your thoughts on Tanner Holden? Tanner Holden, do you expect him to be back in Columbus next year with Ohio State? One year left of eligibility. He's a senior. He did not walk on senior day. So he'll be playing college basketball next year. What do you think is the future for him? I don't think he'll be on this team next year. Um, so he did his transfer. So he technically wouldn't be able to do an immediate transfer somewhere, but I did ask Ohio state, Ohio state's uh, SID Gary Pettit about that. And he did say, because Tanner has his degree, uh, I was told he probably could transfer now since he is a graduate has his degree. Um, I don't expect him on this team next season. I could be wrong, but it, it's hard for me to believe that a guy like Tanner that has so much success at right state, you go to Ohio state, you're on the second to worst team in the big 10 and you register eight, basically DNPs down the stretch. Eight of the final 16 games, Tanner Holden with it was a healthy scratch for the 13th place team in the Big Ten. Um, he just, he looked frustrated. And when he was on the court, he did good things. I felt like when he was on the court, he did everything that you could ask of him to get more playing time. But pretty much what we're told is you don't see practice. Um, you don't see everything that happens behind the scenes that could lead to more or less playing time for a guy which leads me to believe that maybe Tanner Holden never fully bought into what his role on this team was going to be. Um, he never fully accepted or bought in that he wasn't going to be a 25 minute per game player. Um, and because of that, and however he was in practice, it cost him time on the floor. So I just can't see a guy that if he could transfer, 
or he could start a professional uh, career like overseas. I don't see him coming back to Ohio State, but I, I could be wrong. Kind of a 50-50 shot. Um, it, I don't think that he'll be back, though. Yeah, I would agree. From from those who I've talked to as well, it sounds like Holden is kind of had one foot out the door um, down the stretch, kind of like you said, with him not playing all that much. It kind of seemed like the writing was on the wall for him as well. I can tell and, you that after the Purdue after the Purdue game, um, which I don't remember if he even played in the Purdue game or not, but um, it was me and Adam Jardy and maybe two other people actually traveled for Purdue, and we were interviewing Justice Suing and. Uh, no, it wasn't just doing it was Isaac Likely and Gene Brown in the hallway. They're still in their, their jerseys. They're still, you know, sweaty right after the game. We're talking to them and Tanner Holden was already dressed, had his bags packed, like heading for the bus before the entire team. So I, that could be me reading too much into the situation, but just visually I was like, okay, he's ready to, he's like, he's done with this. He's on his way out. He's, he's, I don't know. I, you can you can you you picking up what I'm what I'm saying here. Visually, yeah. it just looked like he was frustrated. Like, screw this, I'm getting on the bus, we're done. When his teammates like literally hadn't even gotten back to the locker room, they're still doing interviews. Um, so I I don't know. I I don't think he'll be back. Yeah, and um, not the exact same situation, but I heard a very similar story on him from um someone who I know who's close to the team. So I think, like you said, like. You understand, maybe it's not a big deal, but small things like that kind of add up and you understand that maybe he won't be back. Um, Where he goes, I have no idea. It's not really relevant to Ohio State, obviously, but um, he's a local kid, obviously from kind of the Dayton area. Um, So you would expect him probably to stay somewhere in state. Um, So it'd be interesting to see what happens with Tanner Holden. But you look at the depth chart next year, specifically at, at shooting guard, do you expect him to play over Roddy Gale for any reason next year? No. Do you expect him to play over Taysom Chapman? No. It doesn't make any sense as to why he would do that and, and why he would be back. I don't see it. Um, as you look ahead to next year as well, what are your initial impressions of Team 125? Expectations. I know we're we're well, well into um, just starting March Madness at this point. So it's going to be a while before we can really put together some concrete thoughts, but what are you seeing? What are you thinking in terms of next season? What should the expectation be? Yeah. Like you said, roster construction goes on throughout the summer. So the expectations could rise or fall based on who they add or who they don't add, or maybe these guys blow us away and nobody transfers out and you enter with the exact same roster next year. Maybe I doubt it, but it's possible. Um, also, Bryce Sensabaugh at Stanger going would change a lot as well. There's just so much to be determined. I think that if Bryce Sensabaugh leaves like it's expected, I expect a much better defensive team. Holtman's had three straight years where I believe Ohio State's Ken Palm rating has been below 100 after his first two seasons. It was, I think, inside the top 25. Because um, next year you're going to get on the same floor at some point, a lineup with Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, um, Scotty Middleton, who is going to be a great um, on-ball defender for them. Devin Royal is going to be a very good defender for them. Felix Akpara alters every single shot. Um, so I guess that's maybe the one thing that I can point to and say I would expect that to be a stark improvement next season is defensively because of the guys he's recruited, um, namely Scotty Middleton, I think is going to be a huge uh, a huge difference maker on defense at 6'7", um, about 180 pounds. He can pretty much guard one through four. 
So that's the side of the ball that I think you're going to see a steep, a, a steep improvement on kind of regardless of where they go in the transfer portal. Yeah, that's very exciting to think about. Roddy Gale is just an athlete. He can jump out of the gym. He's a strong player. It'll be very, very exciting to see him make that jump from freshman to sophomore year. Bruce Thornton's a guy who can who can move well laterally and can sit down and defend as well. Obviously, Felix Akpara, we've seen that. Scotty Middleton is a guy who Buckeye fans may or not be all that excited about because they just hear defense, 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 but it's true. He can sit down and defend. And there, there are some very serious defenders that is going to make Ohio State look a little bit different than they typically have. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, too, you think about what they could have there. I think that there's one hole here, and, and you can disagree uh, if you choose, Connor. But if you look at a potential starting lineup next year, of Bruce Thornton at the one, Roddy Gale at the two, Bryce Ensemble probably got probably gone at the three. Maybe Scott Scotty Middleton starts at the three. Devin Royal at the four, Zed Key at the four, maybe. And then you've got Felix Akpara at the five. Is there a, a, a gap or a hole there anywhere in the starting lineup where you've got any concern at this point? Yeah, it's at that three, four spot. It's at the two forward spot. I think you have your, like you said, Bruce Thornton's going to be point guard again. Uh, Roddy Gale, I'm pretty sure will probably slide into the starting two. Um, I don't know what will happen at center. That'll be a good situation either way. Uh, I don't think you can play Felix Akpar fewer than 20 minutes a game next next season after what he did down the stretch, but you also need to play Zed Key. Um, it's that three and four spot where I think that you cannot start Gene Brown. I like Gene Brown. I hope Gene Brown is still with this program next season, um, but I don't think he's the caliber player that you can start at three or four. Um, I like Devin Royal. I haven't seen Devin Royal play in college yet, though, so I don't know if he's going to be a freshman that scores seven or eight points a game or if he's going to bust out like Sensabaugh did and score 14 or 15. So they need to they need to add in the transfer portal, like you said, a, a proven score, a guy that's going to consistently get you points in that either three or four spot. Um, they need a safety valve to add in that spot for sure. Yeah, exactly. And obviously if Bryce Sensabaugh returns, that's much less of an issue, but I think we're both on the same page expecting Sensabaugh to be gone. And that's the exact same spot where I have question marks right now is will Zed Key start at the four? I don't think that you can really successfully put Zed Key and Felix Alpara on the floor at the same time. Neither of them have range. Uh, Felix Alpara tried. He tried against Purdue uh, to light up the scoreboard to start the game, and that did not go well. Um, but look, he, he was not a consistent shooter for Ohio State as a freshman. Zed Key has thrown up some threes. Obviously, he's made some big ones in the past, but that four spot, that three spot is the one major question mark. You hope Ohio State will maybe go grab a transfer or two to kind of help out there. So I, I think that we're both on the same page in terms of a hole being there. But on the flip side of that, what are you most excited for when it comes to next season? I I will not be shy in proclaiming my love for Team 125. I think it will be a really, really good one and can do some big things. But where on this roster or, or where on this team in general do you have the most excitement for next season? Uh, kind of like I just said a few minutes ago, I I loved what I saw defensively from this team with Bryce Sensabaugh off the floor, which sounds like a backhanded kind of like insult to Bryce Sensabaugh, but um, 
that lineup that had Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale and Felix Lekpara on the floor all at the same time, um, plus just a couple capable defenders next to them. I thought that Ohio State was way more active on defense in the Big Ten tournament. They were way more aggressive, jumping passing lanes, breaking up passes, um, getting steals. They picked up a bunch more fouls, but that was partially because they were being so much more aggressive and looked like they had more juice on defense. Um, I'm just really excited to see when you add in an impact defender like Scotty Middleton and Devin Royal to that group. I want to see how much better this team is defensively because the last two seasons, Ohio state's been so good on offense. They've been so efficient on offense, even this year when they were overall so bad, they just need a, a semi capable defense to be a really good team. And I think that, Chris Holtman noticed that a year or two ago, and he's begun recruiting in that way to add guys that are not going to be a blind defensive target, um, guys that are kind of going to connect the defense. So um, I'm excited to see the, the freshmen of Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale um, play alongside those guys, um, Scotty and Devin. I haven't even talked about Tayson Chapman. I don't know how great Austin Park's going to be, but you hit the you hit the nail on the head there. That just just having a third body who is seven feet tall to throw at somebody for five ten minutes is huge. So, um, those two classes together, I think, are going to um, bring some things to this team that hasn't been there in a couple of years. Yeah, and by the way, speaking of the front court, I don't know if you know anything on this, Connor. From what I've seen, Owen Spencer was on scholarship this season. I'm not sure if that scholarship still applies for next year. It may be something where if it doesn't apply again, I'm not sure one way or another. I've heard that it may not. Um, so if it doesn't, maybe you you don't find a transfer and he stays on scholarship. But if not, maybe you have another spot open up where you can go grab someone, probably not in the in the front court, maybe at the four, but maybe a guy who can play the two, the three, or maybe the three and the four or something like that. I would say... What I'm most excited for, and it's going to be a good defensive team, a much improved defensive team. This team really reminds me of like the mid 2000s to 2008, 2009, 2010, when this team got really, really good. And you started to see freshman class after freshman class come in and contribute and guys were staying. I think Bruce Thornton, he'll be a Buckeye for potentially four years. Same thing with Roddy Gale. He could be here for four years. You've got some guys who are going to come in year over year and start to contribute and start to put things together. Devin Royal, I could not be more excited for him because you're going to have probably the first player since like Kata Bates Diop where you've got a four that can really, really score and be athletic. And EJ Liddell was that guy in his third year. He wasn't quite as athletic and stretching the floor in his first or second year at Ohio State. But I'm really, really excited for Devin Royal to see, is he going to crack the starting lineup? And if so, like you said, is he going to score seven, eight points a game, or is he going to be in double digits? And the other thing, too, that I think we're missing out on or or that we're not missing out on that we think we are, Bryce Sensiball, should he leave? It's the exact same scenario as the Big Ten tournament. We're thinking we have to replace 15 points per game in production when in reality we have to replace maybe 10 because – he he scored 15 points a game. He also gave up five, six, seven points a game on the defensive end. You are now gaining points, essentially, by him not being on the floor defensively. So rather than having to replace 15 points a game, 
Maybe you only have to replace 10. You've already got a better defensive team already. I think the blow of losing Sensible is going to be a little bit less than what people assume. So that's another reason why I'm really, really excited. You mentioned the defense. I'm excited for another freshman class to come in. And potentially, this could be the team that finally makes it back to a Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, um, Tom Izzo, I'm sure you saw that, also made that comment. So did Matt Painter after both of those games that mm-hmm. um, maybe it's not their best lineup, but it's their best version, which is kind of a backhanded way of saying, like, they're just as good doing this as they were doing that. Um, because I guess losing Bryce Sensible overall, net negative. Net negative for sure. You want to keep him if you can. Um, but you kind of noticed over the course of the season that, like, teams would – isolate Bryce Sensabaugh and they would target him. They would move the ball and say, who, who's on Sensabaugh right now? Okay, we're going to move the ball and then whoever we want to shoot, make sure you're shooting on Bryce Sensabaugh because he is going to give up a bucket. And also, if we can get a foul on him, we're going to get him on the bench and he can't score on us either when he's on the bench in foul trouble. Um, and that's how you saw Ohio State's defense tighten up towards the end of the big tournament, the, the big tournament, the Big Ten tournament. Um, there wasn't a walking target anymore so you're I mean you're spot on that they're losing a big score if he leaves but when you don't have a guy on the floor that teams can try to isolate because they know they can score on him um, that tightens your defense up yeah you're you're losing scoring from Bryce Sensenbaugh but you're also losing fouls you're losing um, just simply getting scored on being out of position all those different types of things are things that you're losing out on Connor Last thoughts on Ohio State. Anything else that you would want to add or uh, or subtract from if you feel you've misspoken? Anything like that at this point before we head on out of here? Uh, I don't think so. I don't believe so. I'd say maybe when we're talking about Chris Holtman, it's also easy to – maybe people don't realize the difference of firing an NBA coach and a college coach. Um, if you ever listen to our show, we've talked about this, that um, if you're an Ohio State fan and – you're okay with, you know, if Chris Holtman was to leave, you have to think of the difference of firing an NBA coach and a college coach. You're going to lose all your recruits for the next two classes. They're going to all decommit. Um, A good chunk of your roster would probably look to transfer. You're going to have to rebuild for a year or two, which means you're probably going to be really bad for a year or two until you figure it all out. Um, So it's never just you fire the coach and move on. We're going to win a championship next year. It's in college. It's so much bigger of a process to rebuild because basically every player in college now has a one-time player option that they can opt out of at any time. So if you're an Ohio State fan and you're like, yes, that is fine. I'm okay with us winning four games each for the next two seasons as long as it gets Chris Holtman out of here. Honestly, I respect the commitment to the bit, and I I, I respect it, but it's just so much more of a a project when a, a college coach does get the boot. It is so easy to say fire first name, last name. It is so much harder to present a viable solution for what happens after you fire that coach. And I think that's the exact situation that you're describing here. You can be in the fire Chris Holtman camp all you want. It doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. But if you do want to waste your energy on that, we can go through a simulation somehow and, and figure out that things probably will not end the way that you want, and you'll be in a worse spot than you would be had we kept Chris Holtman on this team for Ohio State. But appreciate you being here on the show today, Connor. Make sure you give him a follow at LeMans underscore Connor. 
It's spelled lemons, pronounced lemons. Fun fact. Yes, sir. He is yeah. a fun, fun follow on Twitter, by the way. He's got some memes that you may want to catch every now and again. So um, make sure you follow him on Twitter. Of course, follow at the shop pod, follow the bucket heads uh, on Twitter as well. And the podcast as well. So Connor really appreciate you being here today. It's been a fun time uh, chatting and um, we might have to do it again sometime. We'll see what happens. Anytime, man. Just let me know. Uh, appreciate you for having me and uh, enjoy this weekend. Enjoy the tournament. Yes, absolutely. Send us your March madness brackets uh, it will it will most certainly be worse than mine. I, I'm notorious for being great at filling out my brackets, and I don't have to prove that. So that's all I'll say about that. But we appreciate you joining the show today. This has been the Views from the Shop podcast. I will shut up before you shut me off, and go Bucks.